Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast for Pride of Detroit. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the editor-in-chief of Pride of Detroit, the Debbie Downer of Pride of Detroit, if you will. Uh, (laughs) We're here week 17, final week of the season. No, not final week because we're at 18 weeks and we are at the penultimate game against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I love that word, Ryan. I know you just raised your eyebrows. Ryan Matthews is here as well at Ryan underscore POD, our editor, a uh, senior editor at Pride of Detroit. How are we doing, Ryan? Uh, I'm doing really well. I'm glad that you decided to be rabbit yourself and, uh, yeah. and, and throw the insults inward rather than let me throw them outward. How are you, Jeremy? How was your holiday? Was it good? It was, it was good. And, and not as negative as, as some people seem to think that I, <laughs> I view everything through. Um, but yeah, no good. And, uh, I'm ready for another game because Lions football has kind of been, dare I say fun lately. Entertaining is a word I would use. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, listen, Seahawks week is always kind of a, an uh, interesting one because there there's been some rough ones in, in the recent history between the two, but we're going to talk a little bit more about it from the Seahawks point of view. And as we always do on first bite, we want to get the opposing point of view here. And so we have a special guest here from our, our friends over at field goals, the deputy editor, which is one of my favorite titles. I don't know why I just like the title deputy editor so much. Uh, John Gilbert at John P Gilbert NFL on Twitter. John, how you doing tonight? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate you joining us. Um, I want to get started by just asking if you're okay, because it's been my experience that when teams are really good for a really long time and then they have one bad year, everything like just falls apart. Everyone acts like the sky is falling. And I feel like we're, we're a good support system here. We've been through seasons <laughs> like this. So if there's anything you need, are, are, are you doing okay? Do you need anything? I am good. I know there are a lot of Seahawks fans who are, you know, the 2012ers or whatever you want to call them. I am older than I look, and I grew up watching the Seahawks in the 90s. So the the past 10, 15 years, whatever you want to call it, has been a, you know, a treat. And now this is kind of, oh, this is Seahawks football for me. So, yeah, it hasn't been fun. It's been, it was a lot more fun when we were going to the playoffs. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm hanging in there. I mean, and I, I'm a graduate of the University of Kansas, so you can't hurt me. Okay, like <laughs> yeah, football football cannot hurt you this year, right? Okay, good. Yep, exactly. Um, uh well, you know, more things that might potentially be hurting you. Um, you know, the status of the franchise quarterback. Um, I, I just want to talk about it a little bit because you know, today, uh as Greg Bell tweeted out, you know, unsolicited Russell Wilson says uh, you know, as the Seahawks sit at five and ten entering their home finale versus Detroit. 
He said, quote, I know for me, I hope it's not my last game in Seattle, but at the same time, I know it won't be my last game in the NFL. I know this has been, you know, this this roller coaster isn't new for Seattle Seahawks fans. This isn't, you know, something you're just learning about. It's It's been almost like a couple-year ride with Russell Wilson this way. Is there real palpable fear that Russell Wilson might not be the quarterback next year in Seattle? I, I think for a lot of people, there absolutely is. Uh, I think there's... You know, everybody's on the same page in that they want to win, but I think they are. I think Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll are absolutely on completely different pages in terms of how they want to win and how they think the best way to go about winning is. And it's, you know, I think we're, there's been a lot of drama. Mike Duger of The Athletic did a fantastic write up, uh, you know, in the offseason back in February, I believe it was, discussing everything that went on, all the drama uh, that's going on behind the scenes at the VMAC. And it's just, you know, I, it's one of those things where something's got to give. Where is it? You know, we've been dealing with the same stories, the same drama, the same issues. You've got coaches who are just leaving in the middle of the season for the second straight season, uh, you know somebody's going to be leaving. Is it going to be the 70 year old head coach or the 33 year old franchise quarterback? I mean, I know who I'd pick to keep, but it's, you know, everybody's got their opinion. So, well, yeah, that, that kind of brings up an interesting other conversation that I, I guess I haven't heard from the outside much. And it's, it's Pete Carroll. What, what is the kind of prevailing opinion on him? Because this is, if I'm not mistaken, this is his first 10 loss season of, of his, you know, whatever 10 year career or whatever it's been in Seattle. So, are, is is kind of the the grip on that franchise starting to slip in in fans' mind? There, there's a definite rift there. I mean, it, there's absolutely a whole you know there's a large chunk of the fan base who says, look, we it's one bad season. You know, we've been to the playoffs the last three years. We've been a winning team for since 2012. Like this is just an aberration. Russ doesn't break his finger. This team's 10 and 7, 11, 6, whatever in the playoffs. This is not even a discussion. Uh, and then there's others who are of the mindset that you know they've slipped. They're not the same team that they were in 2013 and 2014. Obviously they haven't been past the divisional round uh, since 2014. They've won three playoff games since the 2015 season. So, you know, it's not a one year blip. It's a gradual decline that has finally, you know, they were kind of carried by luck and by this franchise quarterback who was absolutely throwing the team on his back and carrying them for the past six years, you know, and so he broke his finger and that was that, Um, you know, it's a, there's, there's a big rift within, you know, Seahawks fan base about what is, what's the biggest issue, you know, who's to blame more, a lot of finger pointing, all of that, but it's definitely, it's definitely made for some interesting conversation and content. So. And I'm sure some of that, you know, uh, there's an infighting there with, with, you know, Seahawks general manager, John Schneider, somebody who the lions were linked to, um, you know, early in January as a potential uh, guy that the lions were, were interested in hiring as their own general manager before they settled on Brad Holmes. Is there a little bit of like NFC West? Let's try to trade all of our first round picks to see if we can, you know, get great players. Like, what what has been the the return on Jamal Adams and and what's the feeling around like having a bad season but then having it compounded by oh man that's probably going to be like a top seven pick <laughs> yeah it, it it's absolutely you know it is he when he's played he's been good I, there have been people who have complained oh he's bad in coverage his PFF grade is bad whatever like he, 
there's a difference. You can tell the difference between the intensity. You can see him making plays. He's all over the field. Um, you know, when he does, when he was healthy before he went on injured reserve with the shoulder that he exploded, but it's now, you know, you gave this guy, you gave him the biggest contract in the history of the NFL for a safety. And now for the second time, this calendar year, he had to have his shoulder rebuilt. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, he's a great player when he's healthy, but you know, shoulders are not, you know, we we've seen big first round picks, Trev Alberts, whoever you want to call, you know, think back to safeties have to retire because of shoulder injuries. And it's very possible. It wasn't like he did anything crazy. He just, he lowered his shoulder into a guy and this, whatever it was, a stitching gave out or whatever. Um, and then his shoulder had to be rebuilt again. So, I mean, it's, is he a good player? Yes. Is he, you know, is he ever going to be able to live up to two first for two firsts, a third and a $72 million contract as a safety? Probably not. I mean, not a lot of players at any position would be able to live up to that. Um, and now, now you're five and 10, two more games left and you don't have a first round pick next season to rebuild. So it's kind of, you know, with a whole lot of, you know, impending free agents such as, Quandry Diggs, who we stole from you guys. So thank you. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll allow that. Uh, I want to I get into what exactly has gone wrong this year. And, and I want to start with the offense, uh, as we typically do here. Um, I, I found some interesting stats about the offense. They're, they're ranked top 10 in yards per pass attempt, top 10 in yards per rush attempt, but 20th in points scored. And they punt more often than anyone else per possession. They go three and out, I think, more than all but two teams. What, what the hell is going on on offense? Like I, I can't put those stats together and make it make sense. They are literally, and you could, I mean, pull up a drive chart from a random game and you'll see they literally live and die by the explosive play. Mm. It will be three and out, three and out, three and out, 84 yard touchdown to DK Metcalf. Mm. Like, and it is, um, it's just constant. I mean, game after game after game, it's like, Oh, three and out, three and out. I think they lead the league in three and outs. Um, and they're, they cannot sustain drives. It seems like they, it's either big play or nothing. It's hit or miss. And they don't, they don't take that intermediate, you know, the, the dink and dunk down the field is just not their style, whatever. And it, that it's led to those statistics that you mentioned. Hmm. That's interesting. That's weird. And, and, and let's talk Russ Wilson too, because, you know, you look at his kind of basic stats at the beginning of the season, he was his typical self, you know, hundred plus pass rating every single week, 200, 300 yards, whatever. And then obviously the finger injury happens. He comes back. The statistics aren't where they were. Is is that a statistical anomaly or is, is he not really been himself since he's been back? He hasn't been himself and you can, you can see it go. You can see it progressing. He's slowly gotten better. I mean, he came back in green Bay and it was, he could not hit the broad side of a bar. And then they're playing against the Cardinals the next week. And he was, he was inaccurate, but it was not nearly as bad. Um, I mean, even against green Bay, I think they ran, they had 10 running back handoffs and of the handoffs, you know, I, I, we looked into it. He, he was handing the ball off 80% of the time with his left hand, they were running out of pistol instead of out of under center. So that specifically, so that when they ran inside zone to one side, they could, you know, he could hand it off with his left hand instead of having to give it off with his right. And it was, they were obviously protecting the finger. Um, you've seen his accuracy slowly improve over time. You've seen, I mean, against the Washington, against Washington on Monday night, he ended up with the stats that weren't bad. His passer rating was decent, but he just, he had a whole lot of passes that 
if he'd been healthy, if he had a healthy finger, their completions, their third down completions, they prolonged the drive. I mean, he just missed guys by six or eight feet wide. And he just, he was not on. He did not have his normal precision. His deep ball that's normally beautiful lays it out there for guys. It's been hanging up and they've been, you know, it's underthrown and broken up as opposed to a long play. And so it's everything slowly been coming back. You know, is it going to come back enough? where he's the Russell Wilson we've seen in the past before this weekend or next weekend or when the season's over, you know, I don't know. It's a, you know, it's a finger injury that has an eight week recovery time and that's just a baseline recovery, not to full functionality, um, you know, at an NFL quarterbacking level. So, um, you know, he's, he's slowly getting back to where he was to answer your question, but he's definitely, I think when you guys watch him, you'll see he's not who, you know, you might've seen a couple of years ago when the teams played and he, one big thing, regardless of the injury, um, finger or no finger, he is not using his legs nearly as much as he has in the past. And that has, you know, removing that has removed the whole facet of his game that was extremely dangerous. So it's a been, a, it's been a big adjustment for Seahawks fans. Well, yeah, and that, that's kind of where I wanted to take the conversation. John was talking about, you know, the the Seahawks rushing offense, um, something that has been vaunted for so long, um, you know, and, and seemingly through, a, you know, a, a bevy of different running backs that they've been able to put out on that field. This season, it just seems like they haven't had the stability again. Like that seems like kind of the, you know, them, thematic, uh, you know, element of the Seahawks offense is just like, no stability. And, you know, but, but the, the funny thing is, is that they're still, you know, rushing the ball at a decent clip at 4.7 yards of carry. So is it, is it a matter of just having, you know, a turnstile of running backs that's, that includes lions legend, Adrian Peterson, or <laughs> what, I, I mean, is, is that the thing that stinks or do they find themselves? Cause this is a lion's problem too. They want to run the football, but they get behind and then they have to start throwing the ball. And like you mentioned, a lot of three and outs end up that way, needing explosive plays. Is that the problem that they've, they've been behind in a lot of games too? If, it's not so much that they've been behind, but it's been that they haven't, you know, they want to run the ball. They'll try to run the ball, but they, you know, they Russ takes so many sacks. I can't tell you, you know, it's obviously it's not a ton, but you know, you third and, and 20, that's not a new he, thing, right? In Seattle. That's yeah. Not no, thing, not at all. If, if yeah. Pete Carroll is third and 20, Pete Carroll doesn't want to throw an interception. So it's a 12 yard draw. And you know, it's not that it's always happening, but then you mix that in with, you know, Chris Carson getting a, an explosive run here and there before, you know, he got injured. Rashad Penny has looked like, like some kind of newborn it's been crazy watching him the last three or four weeks, whatever it's been, where he's exploded for, I think he's got as many hundred yard games in the past month as he had in the three and a half years prior to that. Um, and he's just, he was had a monster game against the Texans, had a monster game against the bears. You know, will he be able to have a monster game against the lions who have looked pretty good on, um, you know, on defense against the run when I've watched them this season, I guess we'll see, but it's, you know, it's, he has looked like a completely different person. I mean, just from like weeks, you watch him in week seven, week eight, versus week 16 it's two different running backs so i think that plays a part of it too yeah that's that that is maybe one of the more fascinating matchups i think of this game because the lions run defense has looked really good at times they, they were good last week but they've also been really really bad at times and it looks like you know michael brockers might not play in this game put on the covid list a couple of days ago who knows with the, the new covid protocols whether he can make it back or not um but yeah, and I guess that leads me to, to the one piece of the offense we haven't really talked much about, and that's the offensive line. I know um, a Seahawks, uh, I think their starting left guard was put on COVID today. 
So probably not going to play in this game, but overall, how's the Seahawks offensive line been? I feel like this is an ongoing saga too with, with the Seahawks offensive line. Is it his, is it their fault? Is it Russell Wilson's fault? Is it both? Um, What's going on with, with the offensive line this year? You know, it's a combination of both Uh, predominantly. I mean, the big problem, I mean, I'm one of the big proponents of, you know, it, Sacks are a quarterback stat. Pressure is largely a quarterback stat. Um, You know, it's, and Russ holds the ball for a long time. He delivers it, you know, in, in structure a lot, but there are also a lot of times where he's running around looking for the big play or he's holding the ball, looking for a big play. And it's, that leads to pressures that leads to him taking hits that leads to him taking sacks. And that makes the offensive line look bad. You, there's a whole slew of starting offensive linemen across the league who are former Seattle guys who their fans, you know, love or, not necessarily love, but don't hate, you know, whether right. it's Glowinski or J.R. Sweezy at times it was Max Unger was fantastic for the Saints for a long time. Um, I, you know, they everybody hates their offensive line. If it's not the Packers line or if it's not the Saints line or the Bucks line, you know, the Pats, whatever. Um, some metrics are good. Some metrics are not. Are they average? Probably, you know, and it's, they've, They've got the guys, the offensive line coach, Mike Solari, he likes big guys. He likes maulers like Damian Lewis, who went on the COVID list today. Uh, Gabe Jackson at right guard is just massive. That's the type of guy he loves. They love to move people. They want to run the ball, you know, and it's the line's the line. They're they're going to, you know, they're going to hand it off. They're going to try and smash people in the mouth. Ryan, do you want to talk about their wide receivers before we head to break, or should we just say we all know who Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf are? <laughs> Uh, I mean, the lions are just going to have their hands full this week, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you talk about the potential for explosive plays, especially against a really young, uh, a really, really young and stretched thin secondary due to injuries. Um, I know Lockett missed uh, a game or two because of COVID. Um, and I know that just cause he's on my fantasy team and cost me a championship. It's not a big <laughs> deal. I'm not upset about it. Um, but you know, if, if we're going to, you know, you talk about the explosive plays in DK Metcalf, but Tyler Lockett also seems like one of those explosive guys too, but he seems like an underneath guy and can, and can maybe keep the offense on schedule and do some things. So um, it sounds like it's not their fault though, like in terms of what's been going wrong with the offense. Yeah, it's a lot of it is, is not their fault. I mean, they, they're doing what they've been asked to do. They're both putting up, you know, decent stats. DK's numbers aren't quite where they were last year. Uh, Lockett's having a fantastic season and he's, you know, I, I expected him to excel in the new offense that they put in under Shane Waldron this year. And he's, you know, he's not quite Cooper cup down in Los Angeles, but it's that same idea, the same, you know, Metcalf's job is to distract the corners deep, open up the underneath and then Lockett finds that space. Or if the corners sheet up, he's, you know, sliding back into the corner, uh, you know, running a co- corner route, run, you know, getting open and then he's got the shiftiness to to make some moves after he catches the ball and to take it you know he's a danger anytime he gets it he doesn't have quite the speed he did when he was younger but he's he's definitely he can he can pick up those explosives we talked about that Lockett can make it happen and you know it's, it's tough to have a Cooper Cup type of year when you don't have Matthew Stafford throwing you the football <laughs> <laughs> my god I, I had to get one back in before we went to break all right uh we're gonna take a quick break here when we come back we're gonna talk about the seahawks defense which is not quite the defense that it used to be uh we'll, we'll maybe check in a little bit with our, our with our with our friend quandary Diggs as well so stick with us here on first bite we'll be right back
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here with our Lions-Seahawks preview. First bite with Field Goals Deputy Editor John Gilbert. John, let's talk about the Seahawks defense. Uh, Certainly well removed from the Legion of Boom era at this point. Um, I guess let's start with the pass defense because that seems to be where where the biggest trouble uh, is. Is is there a specific level of the defense that's struggling that that is leading to all these problems in in the pass defense? Or is it just nothing's working together? You know, we we say football's a complementary thing, so if one part's not – missing it might make the other part look bad. So I don't know. It's, it's a very general question, but what, what exactly is going wrong with the pass defense right now? From a, you know, from a position group standpoint in the, I mean, they've, the safeties are fine. They, they quandary digs, Jamal Adams were great as a team. Ryan Neal has stepped in for Jamal Adams. Um, they're, they're fine. They're not, you know, Ryan Neal's a step down, but it's, they're comp, you know, Diggs is very, very good. He's going to the pro bowl for second year in a row. Um, deservedly so on that the outside corners they at one point this offseason there was 11 or 12 different outside cornerbacks that they had on the roster that they opened training camp with and of those at one point they put trey brown on injured reserve uh early in the season or late in training camp i forget which it was and then the other 10 i believe all 10 were either released or waived and they brought in a whole lot of guys that are the guys who were excuse me dj reed was the one guy that they had who was who they did not release um and then the other nine guys all the groups i mean it just got completely turned over the guys who are going to start this weekend if dj reed is unable to go sydney jones was a late acquisition during training camp uh john reed was a late acquisition bless austin was signed after he was waived by the jets like it's just it's been one of those position groups where there was just there were a whole lot of questions all off season they were not answered during training camp they were awful uh during the early part of the season they finally settled in dj reed on one side uh trey brown on the other and then trey brown immediately suffered a torn partially torn patellar tendon or something like that and was gone for the year then you know rotation again on the other side They've been up and down since, um, you know, the linebackers, Jordan Brooks is, you know, he's fantastic for a second year player, but he's a second year player. He's still got some learning to do. And then Bobby Wagner is, I mean, he's Bobby Wagner. He's going to be in the hall of fame, but he doesn't have the speed that he once did. And, you know, opposing offensive coordinators know that. So when you put all that together and you're playing a very, you know, a somewhat predictable defense, or at least a defense that offenses know what they're going to do, they can exploit it. You know, third and long has been a, just a massive weakness and it's i mean it's been ugly at times so 
And I'm not excited. I'm not excited to see Jared Goff. I'm excited. I'm hoping that he's a lot worse against the Seahawks in the Lions offense than he ever was with the Rams because I would watch him play when the Rams would come to town or when Seattle would go play the Rams and he would shred the secondary. And then I'd watch him play against anybody else. And I'm like, this guy sucks. <laughs> what is he? What is he? <laughs> Well, yeah, let, let's talk about the Lions side of this matchup because there's a lot of unknown right now. We're recording this on Thursday night. Jared Goff has not practiced yet this week. He's dealing with a knee injury. Um, so we might see Tim Boyle. He might, you might not have to see Jared Goff. And then <laughs> the other issue here is that wide receiver where Josh Reynolds was placed on the COVID list on Monday. That gives him enough time to potentially return by Sunday. So he might still play. But Khalif Raymond, another wide receiver, placed on COVID today. So the Lions are, are definitely going to be shorthanded in some sort of way but they are getting one weapon back, which they haven't had in the past month. And that's DeAndre Swift, who can kind of um, be a big factor potentially in, in the, in the receiving game, especially if they are missing a couple of those, those wide receivers. So I don't know. Let me, let me pass this to you, Ryan. Like, first of all, do you have any confidence in this matchup? Even, even with Seattle struggling, if Tim Boyle is a quarterback. Um, I would say they have <clears throat> better than a snowball's chance in hell. Okay. Um, low bar. Yeah. Low bar. But at the same time, you know, I, I think what, what the lions were able to do last week is I think they were able to show like they can game plan up. I mean, I don't know sure. for, for all the talk about, you know, Tim Boyle, not being just what the lions need at backup quarterback um, for whatever that discussion is like, they were a few yards away from winning the football game. Right. So, I mean, I think that this, I think that this, you know, I think this coaching staff can put together a game plan to go out to Seattle and, and be competitive. Like I, you know, I, I know earlier in the week we talked about the the big spread that this opened up at, and I haven't I haven't taken a look at it, but it was you know what nine points when uh, when things opened half, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't think it's I don't think that there's that big of a disparity between these two teams, unless the assumption was that maybe golf wouldn't be back. But I think even with Tim Boyle under center, like I think the Lions can keep this to like a one score game. I mean, they've, they've pretty much done that with mostly every game this year. And, and so really, so of the Seahawks, I, one of the interesting stats I saw with the Seahawks is despite the five and 10 record, I think their point differential is minus one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they, they can keep it close uh, uh, obviously as well, but let, let's go back to the Seahawks and their defense. Um, obviously one way that the lines can mitigate the damage at receiver and quarterback is run the football. So Seattle looks like they have a pretty good run defense, especially as of late. They, they maybe struggled early in the season. Um, who's kind of been the leader of the group there, and, and what is your confidence level in, in them being able to stop the run on Sunday? The the big names up front that you'll hear over and over are going to be Al Woods and Puna Ford. They're the two big you know defensive linemen. They're going to eat up the blocks, um, and then once they eat up those blocks, it's going to be Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner. I believe they're both top three or top five in the NFL in tackles. They are going to be all over the field. Um, they are that you know, and it's those two. Their film study, their recognition, they're just you you'll get tired of hearing their names on Sunday um, and they will, they'll just be all over because the, because of the guys up front freeing up the, you know, freeing them up to do what they need to do against the run. And that's, that wasn't necessarily the case earlier in the year. So that's, that'll be the big, that's been the big difference between what we, when they were getting gashed early in the season versus the last couple of weeks. And then, and then what about, you know, going back to kind of talking about that, inextricably linked past defense question of like, is, is it the back end? Is it, is it their ability to put pressure on the quarterback? 
Seahawks like just a little bit below average in terms of, you know, pass pass rush win rate. Um, and they're getting a familiar name back again, another former lion, Carrie Hyder off the COVID list. Right. So um, what about Seattle's approach to putting pressure on the quarterback? Because it seems like that is something that the lions they, they've struggled with when they have had to face teams that, you know, scheme up exotic blitzes and things like that. Is that something that the Seahawks are, are kind of doing this year or no? To some extent, um, they, they'll do some zone blitzing. A lot of the stuff that was popular back in the nineties when, you know, when Ken Norton was a linebacker, um, you know, for the Niners and everybody else there, you'll see some, you know, on occasion, you'll see Carlos Dunlap from defense, his defensive end spot, or you'll see Al Woods or Puna Ford drop into coverage um, in the underneath level, and they'll bring someone from the second level. The big thing for the Seahawks, especially when we talk about the uh, the complementary football type of things where, with in terms of the secondary and in terms of the, the defensive line, is that they have a lot of guys who have the potential to pressure the quarterback and take the quarterback down, whether it's Carlos Dunlap, Daryl Taylor, um, you know, Rashim Green, Kerry Hyder, all of these guys are guys who could potentially or have at some point, you know, recorded eight or 10 sacks in their career or could do that in the future for the younger guys. The what they've got, though, it feels like is a lot of the time they're high effort guys. They're high motor guys. They're guys like Hyder who they won't give up on a play. They're going to pursue it. And if the quarterback holds the ball because he doesn't like what he sees, then he's going to get pressured and taken down. They don't really have you know, that, that dominant guy that, you know, the Jadavian Clowney or the Cliff Averill, like they had in the past where it was, I mean, you guys are Lions fans. You guys know Averill's get off was second to none. Um, they don't have that guy who's going to win off the corner, you know, consistently over and over. Daryl Taylor's shown the ability to do that on occasion, but he's a, you know, the 2020 draft pick who missed the entirety of the 2020 season with a broken leg that he was recovering from. So it's, he's really like a rookie out there and it's not, you know, he's, he's not doing it consistently enough to where teams are, have to be as aware as if it was a Cliff Averill or as if it was a Michael Bennett, you know, coming off that edge and was going to get there quickly. Another thing to kind of keep in mind for that matchup too is lines are most likely going to be missing their starting right guard, Halapuli Vati Vaitai, also on the COVID list this week. So um, just kind of patchwork everywhere, on, I think, on both sides of the, 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 the football and both teams. So, um, and, then, and then DeAndre Swift's return, which uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays into it. Before his injury against Chicago, he had back-to-back 130-yard games. So we'll see if he can pick up where he left off there. The Lions running game has been pretty good without him, though. So we'll see where that it goes. But um, before we close things out, we got to close it out with our favorite segment, and that's the one thing we think we know, our prediction segment, um, where we say one thing we think we know about the matchup. And I always give it to Ryan first just to show our guest how it goes. Ryan, I have no idea how we did last week. I'm guessing maybe okay. Do you remember what yours was? Uh, yeah, I thought it was something like Kyle Pitts would have over 100 yards receiving. Oh, geez. Oh, ring the bell, baby. All right, yeah. Easiest so. one you ever had. All right, what, what's, <laughs> what's the one thing you think you know about Lions Seahawks? Um, I, I think the one thing I know about Lions Seahawks is that if Jared Goff plays, the Detroit Lions win the football game. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I think – I think really what I'm hearing here from John is the Seahawks don't really have that guy off the edge. Right. And I think what we've, what we've seen the lions been able to do over the course of the season is really keep golf clean off those edges. Yeah. And you know, who are you suspecting is going to replace Vitae at right guard? Probably Tommy Kramer. Again, he's kind yeah. of been the, the utility guy, the guard. 
And that's something that I think the Lions have been able to do all throughout the season is <laughs> next man up on the offensive line sure. has, has has really stepped up and shown up and, and shown an ability to to play well. So I, I think the Lions are going to be just fine on offense. And when it comes to defense, I, I don't really I, – I, if the Seahawks are so dependent on explosive plays, I think that's one thing that the Lions have done a – pretty decent job of this season is, is keeping teams in front of them and not letting, you know, not letting their young guys make boneheaded mistakes in terms of, Oh, that's a 60 yard touchdown or, you know, place like that. So um, I, I think if they can limit those and if they're going to be fairly clean on offense, I think this is a game that Detroit could really pull out in Seattle where they haven't won in 22 years. Well, just, I want it to happen just so Dan Campbell can point a finger at you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, John, I'm going to toss it to you next. What's the one thing you think, you know, about Lions Seahawks? Uh, the one thing I think I know is this, you know, is as unexciting as this is going to be is that, you know, we've talked a lot about Metcalf. We've talked a lot about Lockett. Uh, I, I think for the third game in a row, it's probably going to be uh, Gerald Everett. Who's going to wind up as the leading receiver for the Seahawks. Didn't, didn't talk about him. Yeah. So, there's so much, you know, so much attention that gets paid to Lockett so much get paid to Metcalf that, I mean, Everett's basically just wide open for, a, for eight, nine, 10 yards at a pop. And, you know, Russell is just, he's been taking advantage of that regularly the last few weeks um, because it, I, whether it's because of his, he doesn't have to worry about the accuracy of throwing it deep or he doesn't have to, you know, just wide open because there's, you know, he's not as much of a run after the catch type of threat as Metcalf or Lockett, but that's what I think Everett is going to be. He'll probably lead the team in targets and yards would be my guess. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting matchup. We, we saw last week the Lions put rookie Fatu Melifanu on, on Kyle Pitts a lot. And obviously we, we just talked about didn't, didn't work out too well. Um, but Melifanu is, is a guy that they're going to have to lean on heavily. And I'm, I'm curious if they, if they try to line him up over a tight end again, he's a big long corner. That's probably his best um, feature, you know, so he can be physical against those tight ends, but at the same time, you got to have someone cover these really good wide outs as well. So that, yeah, I think that's, that's a really solid prediction and, uh, and yeah, we'll see how, how the lines try to counter that. I guess I, I'll, I'll go with a swift prediction because I feel like uh, he brings the most intrigue maybe to this game. And, um, you know, I'm, 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 you know, what? I'm going to, I'm going to assume Debbie Downerism here. And I'm going to say the one thing I think I know is DeAndre Swift will have under 90 total yards in this game, receiving and running. I just feel like it's, it's not a great matchup. With, with a really good Seahawks run defense when you're missing a, yet another part of that offensive line that's already missing Frank Rag now. I just, I don't, I don't know how it's going to work out this week. I, I feel, and, and if Tim Boyle's in the game too, then how does that factor in? We haven't seen really him with DeAndre Swift too often. So I don't know. There's just a lot of moving parts here on offense and maybe he benefits from all these wide receivers being out. And maybe that means he gets a lot of receptions and looks, but I just, I don't really like the defensive matchup with the Seahawks here. So I'm going to say under 90 total yards for DeAndre Swift this week. Usually you go bold. I don't feel like that's very bold. Really? You don't. I thought you were going to come in at like 60 or 70 yards under. Well, I mean, this is receiving and, and rushing like, he usually hits, I think, 90 yards in a game, right? Yeah, all right, it's fair. It's just not your boldest prediction, but hey, I, I, I must be rubbing off on you. That's that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. All right, before we close things up, John, I want to give you the opportunity to to promote your stuff. Where can people find you? Where, um, if there's anything over at Field Goals that the that Lions fans might be interested in this week, let us know. 
promote your oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. I didn't mean to no, cut you off. No, no you're good. Go ahead. Ryan cut you off. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, again, fieldgoals.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at John P. Gilbert NFL. We, I know we've got a decent amount of coverage this week about all the Russell Wilson saga and all of that. So if you're, you know, if you're bored and tired of, you know, Lions football, please come on over, join the discussion about whose last season it's going to be, if it's going to be changes, what's going on. So we're happy to have all the visitors we can handle. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, John. We really appreciate your insight. It's great stuff from you. Good luck to you you. on Sunday since, you know, you winning kind of helps us out anyway. So, and, and you know what (laughs) you losing or you winning doesn't hurt you guys anyways, because you don't have a first round pick that win-win, right? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks to you all for listening as well. Uh, As a reminder, we are on Spotify and you can now rate our podcast on Spotify. Unfortunately, we didn't get you guys to stop at 69 reviews like we wanted, but we are close to what's double that Ryan 138. So if we could get to 138 and just stop it there, let's try and do that. We're close, but uh, thank you all for listening. (laughs) Appreciate (laughs) y'all. It's chaos. Be kind. Thank <laughs> you.